You're listening to My Body Odyssey, a podcast about the rewards and challenges of active lifestyle. I'm Robert Pease, and this is our first of two holiday bonus episodes. I'm Valerie Wences. Happy holidays to you and yours, and best wishes for an active, healthy new year as well. And Valerie, we really should confess up front here, when we started putting this show together, we had this clear separation between the protagonists who are facing health challenges and the medical experts who comment on our protagonists and their odysseys. But we pretty quickly discovered that these experts were on odysseys of their own. We're talking world-class authorities on diabetes who have diabetes themselves, innovative researchers and behavioral issues who had noticed their own moods darken when not being active. So we decided to devote a couple of episodes just to our experts to learn more about them and hear some of their great personal insights. So stay tuned to unwrap this first of two holiday gifts from the My Body Odyssey team at Fluent Knowledge. Granny, get in here. Come on. Come on. Yeah, well, thank you for having us. Come on in, come on in. In episode six, we met Josie, a retired special needs teacher. Josie's MS had gotten to a point where she could no longer do the cycling she loved on her own. But her husband, Joe, found a tandem solution. I get excited knowing that I'm going to get on the bike. Once I'm on the bike and we're riding, I'm like, okay, we're out. We're out. So now we can enjoy this ride, get home, and I'm like, oh, it's like that high is there. And I feel so much better. I'm like, I can get my day on the, on the right path. One expert on that episode was Dr. Jacob Meyer of the Wellbeing and Exercise Lab at Iowa State. He and his team have conducted some really trailblazing studies on the behavioral benefits of exercise. But Dr. Meyer's interest in the field began with much more personal data points. You know, my own personal struggles with depression really, over the course of my life at different times, coincided with periods in my life when I was much less active. And it made me wonder what was going on. Is this just me? Am I just weird? Or is this a consistent thing that's true across sort of, you know, humanity? And that really kicked off a career for me of trying to figure out how the brain and the body, particularly movement of the body, are connected and how knowing that might actually be able to help us design better treatments for depression, for other mental illnesses, if we can really figure out how what we're doing is linked to, to how we're feeling. Dr. Meyer also explained for us the really important connection between stress and depression and how exercise might combat both issues. Stress and especially things like adverse childhood experiences or early life stress can be a major predisposing factor to someone developing depression later on. It might be related to cortisol, which is the major stress hormone in the body. So Maybe stress is causing some increase in the amount of cortisol, and that's interfering with our ability to have a positive mood. Okay, so if that's what starts it, then the question is, how does exercise help afterwards? And it turns out that exercise releases cortisol. Exercise is a stressor to the body. Uh, it just turns out to be a, a eustress, um, which is a term for sort of a good or a positive stressor. And is eustress, is that like EU? Or mm -hmm. is that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the body responds to a eustress in a different way than to a distress or a negative stressor. And it leads to sort of adaptation or getting used to stress. And so we can think about exercise as something that builds stress resilience so that when someone is exposed to a stressor down the road, their response to that is going to be lesser so that it's not necessarily going to kick off the same things 
negatively that it otherwise would have if someone didn't have a resilient system in place that was sort of built, you know, piece by piece or run by run by exercise. Moving on from the challenge of MS to that of heading off type 2 diabetes, some of you may recall meeting Gene, a high school superintendent, back in episode 8 just as we first met him at an American Diabetes Association Tour to Cure cycling event. Gene is determined to outpedal his family history of developing type 2 diabetes through exercise and diet. Uh, you know, some days, you know, it feels like you pedal to save your life and you know, in a lot of ways, these sort of events, you know, you, you, you really are, so. We spoke to two diabetes experts on Gene's Odyssey, including Dr. Sherry Kohlberg, a widely published expert on diabetes and exercise. When I was a kid, I had type 1 diabetes. I, I got it very early at age 4. And the only person I knew at that time in my entire life that had diabetes besides me was my maternal grandmother. And I remember when I was probably 13 or 14, where I was helping her on one of her many diets. And I I helped her try to weigh herself in every day and, and track her weight loss. And I had her running laps around her backyard and I'm measuring out her cottage cheese and whatever. Because she'd made this deal with me that she would pay me a dollar for every pound that she lost that week that I was helping her. In a sense then, Dr. Kohlberg was already on the path to becoming an expert on diabetes and exercise at a really young age and seeing some success with her first patient, at least initially. She lost eight pounds in one week. It was the first week, so that's not that uncommon. But it sort of got me, and so that made me a really rich kid. So I mean, that was a long time ago. I think I just felt compelled actually seeing her go through some of the cardiovascular problems she went through about 10 years after that in heart attacks and strokes and bedridden and all the awful complications you hear about. And I thought, I don't want that to be my path. So, you know, at that point, I was already studying exercise physiology and trying to figure out how to be healthy and how to live a good long life with diabetes. And so that's sort of what has driven me overall, partly my own personal experiences with it, but just knowing that it's, it is possible to live long and well with diabetes, regardless of the type. Dr. Kohlberg had a lot of really great practical recommendations for a protagonist gene, and frankly, anyone with elevated blood sugar in that very large pre-diabetes category, as much as 40% of the U.S. adult population, such as making movement part of your workday. You can still manage your own physical activity levels. You can still move more all day long, even when you have a very busy job. You can stand up. You can have walking meetings with your colleagues. You can be the only one who stands up in a meeting and does some stretching. I've done that many times, and people look at me. Well, then they get up, too. And really thinking intelligently about your food choices. We know that all those foods that are partially pre-digested for us by the manufacturers, meaning that when we eat them, particularly carbs, they make our blood sugar go up really quickly. Those are best to limit your intake of and instead focus on ones that have more fiber, that take longer to digest, that are not going to make those same sort of peaks in your glucose after meals. And that goes a long ways towards uh, avoiding type 2 diabetes as well as well as minimizing stress where possible, and placing a really high value on your sleep. 
And then there's just the whole stress factor, because you can certainly, when you're very stressed out physically or mentally, you can increase levels of hormones like cortisol that make your blood glucose go up. And so just finding techniques, ways to relax a little bit, dig deep breathing or whatever works for you during the day to help manage that stress is also going to have an impact. And then finally, I have to mention sleep also is a huge factor. We know that people that don't sleep long enough cause physical stress to their bodies and they tend to have more cortisol and higher blood glucose levels. So simply just trying to get adequate amounts of rest can also help. Our season finale took us to the head of the Charles Regatta, an annual rowing mecca of sorts, where we met and spoke with dozens of rowers, including Ron, formerly a high-level financial executive who turned to power rowing after a terrible cycling crash paralyzed him from the waist down. My rowing partner this year, he had no mercy for me, and that was... uh that was uh, that was great because I felt I felt like an athlete, not a disabled athlete, an athlete again. One expert in that episode was Lisa Lowe, a physical therapist and experienced rower in Boston who works with para rowers like Ron. But what we didn't know until we spoke to her is that Lisa is a para rower herself. So I was hit by a car about four and a half years ago and had my legs just totally smashed. So that's where, you know, I'm lucky to have had the sport of rowing anyway, because I didn't have to give up my favorite sport. So I actually competed in the same race as Ron did at Head of the Charles, just in a different category. So I'm a PR3 rower rather than he, I believe, is a PR1 rower. Like Ron, our protagonist in that episode, Lisa sought out a rowing club with an adaptive program. And this was a a barrier I put up for myself that probably wasn't necessary, but I didn't feel as comfortable going back to where I've always rode because it was like, oh, then I have to coordinate with X number of people for them to help me carry my boat down and for them to help me this and to help me that. And I just didn't want to impose that on anyone, even though honestly, if I had, they probably would have very gladly done it. I just didn't want to. So going to community rowing in Boston, because we have a boathouse that is built for there to be a system of adaptive and para rowers with help. Ron actually capsized his first time out as a para rower. It was very scary, but he unclipped his straps and pulled himself to safety. And he continued with rowing. But we asked Lisa if many of those who do try para rowing find it just too challenging. I mean, I think with anything, I'm sure there are people out there, but I will say, obviously, we hear more of the stories of people who pursued than the ones who didn't, right? And it is a common story to have had your first few rowing experiences be, you know, whether it's like ridiculous weather or whether it is a capsizing moment or or any of those things that do present just sort of initial challenges. But I will say there is something especially if you're someone who uses a wheelchair for mobility, right? There is something about the massive amount of independence and freedom that you have in manipulating where you're going on the water in a way that is just, you know, an entirely different relationship with, like, the world around you. 
We all have challenges, though perhaps not on the scale of power rowing. So hopefully we take away a bit of inspiration and motivation from experts like Lisa Lowe and also from Sherry Kohlberg and Jacob Meyer, who've turned personal challenges into professional knowledge we can all benefit from. And we'll hear more of that important personal dimension from four additional experts on our next bonus episode as a New Year's gift from all of us here at My Body Odyssey. Stay tuned for that episode and for season two coming soon in 2023. Meantime, make sure to subscribe if you haven't already done so. And please reach out if you or someone you know is on a Body Odyssey that might inform and inspire others. My Body Odyssey is a Fluent Knowledge production Original music by Ryan Adair Rooney.